Welcome to the Next Level Leaders Podcast with me, Dr. Joseph Walker. This podcast is designed to offer strategies and moving vision to reality. Leaders can expect to be mentored, inspired, and challenged to succeed at the next level. So prepare to be exposed, empowered, and equipped for excellence. Thank you for connecting and allowing this space to become an opportunity for growth and collaborative learning. Now, let's go on this journey together and spark the change we wish to see in ourselves, our teams, and the world. Well, thank you again for tuning in to the Next Level Leader podcast. I'm so excited to have you a part of this podcast. For those of you that have been following us, it has been a tremendous ride this month as we've been dealing with relationships from a different perspective, uh, how to manage relationships in business, who to hire, how to balance life, and all the chaos that we do in those relationships, which are incredibly important. And I talked a little bit on last time about how to hire people and the kind of people that you need to align with your vision. Those relationships are critical because they make or break a business. Today, I'm going to talk about something that I think all of us can benefit from. And it's really about how do you manage relationships and boundaries with family once your organization or your business has become incredibly successful? I think that's a critical thing because many of us have not learned how to put effective boundaries around that and a lot of encroachment happens and we end up not realizing the fruits of our labor. Uh, even though we have big hearts and we have a lot of things we want to do, we have to understand how to walk in wisdom. A part of that is once you become successful, you need to have the right people around you that can help you manage these areas. And I'm incredibly excited to have my guest today. He is just an amazing person, first of all, a very dear friend. And I came to know him when he moved to Nashville as a part of the Tennessee Titans. Prior to that, he was a safety for uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he was brought to Nashville to be a part of the Tennessee Titans and brought in for his leadership and his gifting and skill set. And, and really, the culture that that team developed, um, they really were a unique group. That group that came, were involved in being mentored, uh, by me, I enjoyed the times we would have after Bible study together and spending time. I knew that was something unique about these guys. They would do so much off the field and after their careers were over that would impact the world. And it's important for me to give the context for those of you to understand because what we bring to this platform are not people, as Daryl Freeman said, that are hoping, but people that actually have fruit, people that have actually done it at a high level who, who understand how to manage this stuff. Chris Hope, has a lot of successes under his belt from Florida State through Pittsburgh, through the Titans, and then his last stint with the Atlanta Falcons. And now he is a husband. He is a father of two beautiful children and all the way from Rock Hill, South Carolina, where his journey began. But God blessed him in such a powerful way and while he was playing to become the highest paid safety in the NFL and how he managed that. Obviously the thing about being a professional athlete and most athletes will tell you, and I'm sure he'll tell you is that they just start posting all your stuff publicly like that. But he used that with so much grace to really help others understand how do you manage that level of success when you have expectations and things with your family. He wrote a wonderful book, I'm going to tell you about it. It's called PROS, the acronym, Parents Relying on Their Seeds. And Chris Hope, thank you for being with me today. 
And uh, tell us a little about this book and what inspired it. So it's a long story of what inspired it. But first of all, I want to thank you for allowing me to be a part of this podcast. You just transition into stuff so smoothly these days. Sound like you've been doing radio for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, obviously, along my journey, I've always wanted to create a legacy that outlived me. And what better way to do that is to answer a question that no one has to answer to. I often refer to the scripture about what does it matter for a person to gain the world and lose their soul? I think the same thing about success. What does it matter if you get all the success and you don't have those that you love the most to celebrate it with? And throughout my career in the NFL, I watched my teammates, I watched myself, I've watched so many other entertainers and celebrities around the world struggle with these same things that I discuss in my book. And I prayed to God because one of my issues was that I had a lot of success personally, but behind closed doors, I was going through a lot of pain with the most important relationships in my life. My mom and dad, my sister and brother, you know, people that I pretty much ran through a wall for, you know, a lot of the things I became successful at was because of the motivation I had to create a better life for us all. And just having that expectation and that burden to carry around became too much to bear. And when I looked around, I had all this success, but I still was empty. And I prayed to God about, is this what success is all about? If this is the life that I'm going to have to live the rest of my life, like when do I get a break? You know, I didn't sign up to do this forever. And I met a guy named Peter Strobel. And he asked me a very important question. What problem do I know of in today's time? And what am I doing to try to solve it? And that question just sparked something inside of me. And I remember like it was yesterday, you, we were having, a, you remember we used to have the Momentum Monday services. All men, yeah. right before a kickoff of Monday Night Football. So you had an opportunity to come to church, get right. blessed, have a service, and still get home in time to watch the game. And I went to that first one you had, and I remember um, you called one of the uh, elders to come up and pray. And as he was praying, as we all were praying, the word prose just flashed across my forehead like a Christmas tree light. Wow. And it was just blanking. And I asked God, like, okay, what is this about? And he said, that's the answer to the question you asked me about. And I said, well, what is it? And he said, it's a book. And I remember, you know, the conversations that you and I had long before this ever came. You said, you got a book in you. I, I really feel like you should share some of the stuff you tell me because it'll bless someone else. And uh, from that point, you know, he gave me the acronym, the, the meaning of prose, and he gave me the message. And that's how I came up with the book prose. Wow. What a great, great story, of the evolutionary process of how it immersed. And I think you bring up something that I want to really dive into head first, and that is the tension in the dichotomy of success publicly and private pain right. relationally and how you work through that and reconcile that. What do you think gave rise to that? Was it the expectations that your family had for you to solve the problem? Was it that you allowed yourself to become uh, the Herculean personality that could fix everything and realize that you couldn't? I mean, what became the tension and what became the revelation for you in that? Well, I think it's a cultural thing, for one. You know, being African-American, coming from humble beginnings, 
you know, our saying is when one of us make it, we all make we it. All make it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's in our music, it's in our TV shows. Oh. It's a message that is passed along from ancient times. You know, you think about the African culture. Every male son being born, you know, is yeah. this the one? Is yeah. he's the savior? Yeah. And I think we kind of um adopt that into our own mindset, not even knowing. I really think I can honestly say my mom and dad didn't sign me up to play a sport thinking about the pot of gold on the other end of the rainbow. They signed me up because it was something that brought discipline, it brought hard work, it brought determination, and it kept me out of trouble. But, you know, along the way, peer pressure comes from not just kids. Peer pressure comes from from adults as well. And coming from a small town, everyone knowing how good I was and the gifts that God blessed me with, they automatically started looking down the road like, this guy got a chance. Yeah. And, you know, you hear that long enough as a parent, you know, as you said earlier, they flash everything that we do as a as an athlete across the ESPN. Yeah. So now the minute that happens or the minute that the people are talking about you being, being eligible to be drafted, now that rabbit or that that messenger in the, <laughs> in the mind of your mom and dad start working, you know, maybe I do have a chance. Maybe yeah. this is the person that's supposed to give me this life I dreamed of. Yeah. And as a kid, you know, you can ask your daughter now, her biggest goal in life is to make their mom and dad proud, yeah. to get that validation from their mom and dad. Yeah. I don't care what color, what creed, what uh, economical background you come from. We all have that in, in common. And I adopted that. This is, this is my gift. You know, I want to repay my mom and dad and my sister and brother for the sacrifices that they made for me. And I begin to carry that burden. And then on top of that, uh, as a kid, one of the nicknames my coaches gave me was the last hope. You know, um, <laughs> I had an older brother who played before me who was real good. And I remember going to practice one day. My dad just dropped us off and my coach said, well, Mr. Hope, do you have another one? And he was like, nah, this is it. This is the last one. This is the last hope. And from that point, wow. you know, I played safety. I was the last line of defense. So I was, if I didn't get them, no one else got them. So I kind of created that, that mantra in my head and it was motivation. It was, I used it for my good, but at the same time, it was, it just became too much. You know, that, that's, that's a power. I never do that part of that story. And I think that's a powerful way of looking at it. Cause it really, I think there is a sense that some of us do develop. And I say it often, these messianic complexes, right? They come naturally sometimes that we feel this sense that we are the one that is chosen to save or to bring the whole family apart. And there's no malicious intent on the side of a parent or or brothers and sisters to have an expectation because that's a communal thing. That's something to understand. That is something cultural. It's communal. And those who operate at high levels of success oftentimes become that savior, that last hope, if you will, we become. The question that I want to delve into, and let's just go right to the crux of the matter. When you become that, at some point, you got to, as you indicate in your book, you have to start setting boundaries. Because if you don't set boundaries, then eventually the last hope will be the last hope. It <laughs> runs out of hope. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. How do you keep hope alive? <laughs> How do you keep hope alive? That's yeah. a tough question. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're dealing with people that you love. You yeah. know, no one wants to yeah. air their family's laundry out in the book. Well, of course, yeah. And I definitely didn't do that. But yeah, at the didn't. same time, I talked about some very touchy subjects. But 
if I had known what I know now, I would have done some things differently. Differently, And we all make mistakes and we learn from the mistakes that we make, but there's no literature about what I'm talking about. So there's no, no, no guideline for you to learn from. So we all go through it blind. And I think one thing that I look to do going forward is to uh, address some of these issues on the front end, because there's nothing wrong with wanting to provide or help those that you love the most, but it's a formula in the way to do that. And first of all, you know, paying off credit, you know, instead of me buying you a new car, the first thing on my list, like so many of us do, you can, you can look at every draft, baseball, basketball, football. The first thing they say, just buy mom a new house, just buy mom and dad a a, a new Bentley or Mercedes. And I retired them from their job. So you basically, before you got a check, made your parents your dependents for the rest of your life because they're already mid-40s, maybe 50. They're not going back to work after they retire. (laughs) And you're not married. You don't have any kids. So it's kind of hard to to be, have success at such a young age and see that far down the road because you don't think you ever go broke. You don't think you ever get injured. You don't think it ever come to an end. But I think getting on the front of managing the expectations and putting everything on the table. Right. You know, just like you said earlier, coming up with that plan, you know, we go to school to graduate. That's the plan. Right. I send you to school to behave, to do your lessons, stay out of trouble. So you got, you have those kind of conversations, right. but no one ever talks about what happens when we become, when we become successful. And I think that's where it sneaks up. And now everybody, the success happens and everybody's living in the moment, not thinking about the end. Yeah. What what, what do you think of the, because, um, you know, it's different, like, you know, and, and, and certain there are athletes that are listening and there are people who have achieved a level of success and, and there are people who actually are trying to get to that level, right? There, there's a way in which, like, for you, you come into, like, you go from Rock Hill and Florida State and then you go to, you go to Pittsburgh and you right. come into like money like you've never seen before. And you're in a culture, a climate immediately. You can have anything you want. There's no discipline, no boundaries, nothing. You just, and at what point do you realize I'm going to have to reel some of this in and think about future. I'm going to have to think about leveraging some of this stuff before I end up in these made for TV stories. Where are they now? Or 30 for 30. Like how do I end up? How did you, what, what was the catalyst for you? I guess that's the question. What was the moment you realized, whoa, wait a minute, hold on here. So I'll say the biggest thing that has blessed me is that I was raised in the church. I was raised by two hardworking parents. They didn't get everything right. They're not perfect, but they did the best they could. And then I had some praying grandparents. And they taught me the value of hard work and the value of a dollar. So I had a culture that was kind of built around me from day one that set me up to be successful. And then I was educated. I think, you know, sometimes we don't place the correct value on what education brings. And I'm not talking about straight A student education. I'm talking about knowing about taxes, about yeah. generational wealth, yeah. about, yeah. you know, uh, you know uh, how fast you can go broke. You know, we don't talk about those things. And when you get drafted or you come into a locker room full of guys with no 
education with no boundaries, all they think about is today, it is very difficult to block all of that out because, you know, it's easy to get caught up with thinking you're the best thing smoking. And some of that, you have to have that attitude because you wouldn't get to that level. You've already beat the odds of all the people saying you'll never make it. You know, the percentages of you getting drafted are short or slim to none. So you've already overcame all that. So when someone comes and say, you know, 50% of people or 70% of the people that retire or play in the NFL go broke, you say, well, you're talking to him, you're not talking to me. Or people say the, the lifetime of NFL players two or three years. Again, I come from Rock Hill where the, the odds already were stacked. You're not talking to me. So you have to have that bravado about you anyway, but to a point you have to be able to reel it in, like you said. And I think that comes with, with home training, you know, having praying parents, people that raised me in the church and, and not just going to church, but learning something about it because – when I went to Florida State, I was eight hours away from home. We didn't have cell phones. My mom and dad were not, you know, they weren't jumping in the car to come see me. Everything I needed, you mm-hmm. know, uh, so it was a it was a growing process and a maturity that I had to learn on my own. I, I think that uh, that's a very good lesson to learn because I think context matters. The environment that we raised matters. The fact that you were blessed to have parents to raise you in that context, it does matter because when you were sent out into a context where people did not have the same shared experiences, you end up realizing that, wow, how blessed you are to be different, own that, have that, you know, that kind of check and balance over your life. Let me ask this question. I think that uh, a lot of people listening in um, often, when you when you come to a place, Chris, where you've achieved a certain level of success. You know, I say it all the time, 80% of your phone calls become ask. (laughs) (laughs) Can I, can you, would you? Let's talk about the moment you realize you had to start saying no. And why? That was tough. And I still struggle with it to today because Every situation, every ask, every phone call is so different. Yeah. But I will go back to what I said earlier. If I told you as a kid that you could have this great dream, you know, you you could achieve everything you dreamed about, but you would have to get another cell phone or you would have to be scared to answer the phone <laughs> or you would have to block calls or that you would take somebody's phone, store it in your phone just so you know when they're calling. Like, or that you had to tiptoe back in town every time you went back in town. You couldn't let everybody know you was there. Yeah. Like all those things as a kid, you dreaming of becoming this professional athlete or the, the awesome bishop that you are, you wouldn't have signed up for that. There's no way you would have did that. So all those things kind of come with the territory, yeah. but it's not what you desire or like the most about it. And yeah. It's hard to say no. I, I can remember, vividly remember a conversation you and I had. Man, it had to be about seven, eight years ago now, you know, and we were talking about something that was that I was struggling with, and you told me, we'll be 50 and 60 years old, and we'll still be having the same conversation if you don't change. And that resonated. That, that hit home hard <laughs> with me. And Again, if I still didn't learn how to say no, yeah. what you said would still be true. Wow. And 
saying no to somebody you love the most yeah. makes you feel guilty because we misinterpret that scripture of to whom much is given, much more is required. <laughs> right. We take that out of context. So we think that that means every time someone asks for a check, you write a check. Yeah. Every time somebody needs something, you come through and help them. But yeah. sometimes you have to uh, get out of the way because that that's not your assignment. Boundaries. I've learned uh, as a leader, and you very well know, and can truly wit- testify of this to be true, over the years I've been serving in the capacity that I serve, uh, I've had some and have some, you know, well-to-do people who I've mentored and who've been around me and who have connected to our ministry, some who could write checks to solve all our problems. Right. <laughs> but I have prided myself on never asking a person directly for a dime. Because I realize the burden and the weight that you all experience in every, you need some relationships right. <laughs> that are just authentic where nobody's asking you for what everybody else is asking you for. And I say that to say that that I think creates an atmosphere for more genuine philanthropy. Right. That you do it because you feel led, because you see the, and and let's talk about that for you because everyone that I interview in this series has talked about giving back and things that they do. You've done a lot. I mean, you've got your foundation. You do a lot through that. And you just do a lot of volunteering and, you know, deacon in our church and doing a lot of great things. Let's talk about what motivates your philanthropy. Let's talk about what you dream about. You tell, you shared with me a dream some years back. I'm not sure if you remember, but you shared me a dream that you had, a passion you had or something you want to do one day. Let's talk about your passion for philanthropy and giving back and what that means to you now because you clearly do a great job of managing that with your family. You've helped us with some strategies and tools on how to do that. And uh, but But when you get to a certain level, you realize, and I said it, you can't be a, reservoir of selfishness, you've got to be a channel of blessings. You realize you're blessed to be a blessing. And once you've guarded, you know, your legacy, and now you're in a place where you can actually be free to do things you want to do organically, what are those things that motivate you? I think you said something about, um, I can't remember how you said it in Bible study last week, about giving too much of yourself and of your time. So I really honed in the things that I really love to do. Right. Because at one point in time, philanthropy was, I got to help everywhere. But no one can do that. Can't board the ocean. That's what you said. Can't board the ocean. And um, so I really focus on those things that I can give my time to, not just my money. Yeah. Because I think that's where the biggest impact comes. That's right. And um, I think I live, by, I live by the creed that I always have because I always give. And... Those things that I love the most and the biggest impact to where I think my purpose fits in is the children. Yeah. Because that's how you beget, that's how you become generational. Yeah. That's how the influence becomes generational. Right. And I think, you know, football camps are cool. You know, uh, I obviously love mentoring kids about sports and about relationships and all those things, but right. it goes much deeper to me for uh the simple fact that. Uh, when you have something that you love doing that you can wake up and do no matter what what the schedule looks like, you always find time to do it. Mm-hmm. That's Those are the things that I really pour into. I like, um, I have no specific 
group like cancer or, you know, um, heart, heart association, you yeah. know, I just, I have no specific group that I pour back into, but the I see hope fund can help anywhere it's needed. Yeah. But I always find those things that I'm passionate about that I would rather spend my time on. If it's something that I just want to write a check to, yeah. you know, I may do it, but it's, it's not something that I'm passionate about. So yeah. I try to find those things that I really, really love doing. Right. What do you dream about? What I dream about, um, I have this vision of the I see hope. I just keep seeing this hope academy. Yeah. How to operate professionally for everything. Um, because when you say you're a pro, when you say you're a pro, there's no shortchanging. You're a pro how you walk, how you talk, how you dress, being on time, how you articulate your message, how you treat people. I can't, I couldn't be an all pro safety or pro bowl safety and a third string dad. <laughs> Doesn't work. Wow. I couldn't be an all star football player, but a mediocre student. Mm -hmm. You know, I've always lived by whatever I do, I try to, to be the best at it, whether it's tying shoes, right. whether it's folding clothes, right. whether it's washing dishes, I try to do it to the top of my ability. So I see um, the Hope Academy where I teach kids how to interview. That doesn't make sense if you're trying to be a professional athlete or anybody in this world trying to be successful and you don't know how to do an interview. Like, you shouldn't still be nervous. Like, we have so many different outlets and avenues for you to become better at it. Yeah. You know, learning how to pray, learning how to uh, train and prepare for the next level of whatever you're trying to do. So that's that's my my vision. I don't know how it's going to happen or when it's going to happen, but that's my vision. That's a powerful vision. As we get ready to wrap this up, I think that what that says, Chris, to people who are listening is that, you know, you realize that you have multidimensional things that you do that you're passionate about, right? And you realize one thing feeds another thing, feeds another thing. And that vision uh, will come to pass because you're passionate about it. When we're passionate about something, that's why I ask, what are you passionate about? What are you dreaming about? It is because that's the thing that wakes us up. That's the thing that motivates us. And then all of a sudden, all of our life plans and everything we've ever done starts wrapping itself around that vision and you start realizing, oh, this was the big thing. Like that was a powerful acronym, right, for what you just said because it really does deal with the duality. You go way back to your story. It deals with duality of not just being successful in one space and flunking in the other. It's about winning in all spaces. It's about really being a Pro Bowl lifer. Right. You know what I mean? And that's huge. And that that's evolutionary. That's a process. And you've, you've done very well in, in showing us how to do that. I want to take a moment and thank you for being transparent and sharing with us. Your book is, uh, you should get this book if you're listening it's called Pros, Parents Relying on Their Seeds by Chris Hope. You don't have to be an athlete to get this book. You have to be a human being out there achieving excellence, trying to balance life and trying to manage relationships in your own family. Uh, there is something that pulls on all of our heartstrings. It is our family. It is the idea that when we make it, they make it. We realize that there are certain responsibilities we have, whether imposed upon us or not, if you have a heart, you want to see your mother or your father blessed or your siblings blessed. If you've been incredibly blessed and you want to do it the right way, though, 
You want to do it to your demise because, again, if you uh, implode, they do as well. If you if you don't make it, they don't make it. So there's things that are very intentional things in this book about helping you know how to do it, how to insulate yourself with the right people, how to make significant choices. You heard him talk about, you know, the power of education, the power of learning about taxes, learning about these things. There are people who've come into hundreds of millions of dollars and are now broke all because of bad business deals, because of not understanding taxes, not understanding that the ATM has to be replenished every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> right? Somebody's got to go service the ATM and you just can't be the ATM for everybody. You've got to learn how to pull that in and that's what boundaries are about. So it's been a tremendous joy to have you uh, on this Next Level Leader podcast and you're definitely that. Our takeaways are very clear today. I've just shared them, but I think it's important for you to understand. You know, you may not end up being at the level of wealth that my guest talked about today, but trust me when I tell you, you come out of a context and you are successful. If you get $1 above minimum wage, if you're a person that manages your money well, that you're going to learn how to manage that and deal with relationships because relationships will change. They will change on you. They move from being lateral to hierarchical. People begin to look up to you with expectations that what's up will flow down. And when you walk in the room, it changes atmospheres. You walk in, solving problems in people's lives that you don't even know exist. They see you as a problem solver. So they then start negotiating with you indirectly. And sometimes you don't even realize how disingenuous those relationships are, Mm. that the angle, the motive is really the end game that they have. They size up you. And when you find organic relationships and you find people that love you for you and not what you have, those are the relationships that are long standing and sustainable. and, And you manage those things and you have to know in successful businesses and careers, you got to know how to have proper boundaries among family and how to relate properly to your parents as the seed. You said something very profound that that moment when you realized that you were going to be taking care of them, that they were your dependents. Wow. That moment typically happens in the life of a person when parents are 70 and 80. Correct. It doesn't happen when they're 40 and 50. And when the child is 20-some years old, the parents are 40s and 50s, you're signing on for a retirement plan for the next 40 years. And you hadn't even started your family yet. But this book is so profound, and it helps us all understand lessons you've learned the good, the bad, and the ugly. And for that reason, we're grateful. You listen today and you've been inspired by this. Again, I want you to get this book. I want you to remember something, that when you are successful, when you reach a certain level, it comes with wisdom. Every day I wake up, I always ask God for wisdom, strength and wisdom. Wisdom to make the right decisions because my heart is so big. Oh, my God. But I got to make wise decisions because I can't think about right now. I've got to think about 10, 20 years from now. And I got to think about that if I am the one that has been chosen to be the one in my family to change the narrative, 
if I'm not healthy, if I'm not whole, if my life is not together and if my finances are not in order, then the thing I'm actually trying to do, I won't be able to do because I've not put those things in order. It takes discipline. It takes mentorship. It takes context. That's what we've heard today. And what I pray is that you have received this impartation, this information, that it has inspired you to know relationships matter. They really do in business and in life. Thank you for listening. Until next time, peace. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. I want you to subscribe at iTunes, cpnshows.com, or whatever podcasts are downloaded. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at josephwalker3. I look forward to connecting with you.